everyone and welcome to a new episode of Open World. Today we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Belen Aucho. Belen is a compulsive life learner. She holds a BA in translation and interpreting studies, an MA in audiovisual translation, and a PhD in translation and intercultural studies. But her experience in localization industry goes beyond the theory. Belen has worked in the game localization industry for more than five years in different positions as a project manager, training specialist, marketing strategist, and copywriter, translation manager, and quality and innovation director. She combined her years in this industry with her true calling, training others. She has been teaching game localization and subtitling technologies in several MA programs and workshops in Spain, UK, and France for more than five years now. As a continuous learner and a passionate trainer, Belen now leads NIMS's e-learning program with a design thinking approach aimed at providing the best learning experience to NIMS's partners. As an academic with hands-on experience in the media industry, she thoroughly leads the research for the media localization landscape. Apart from all the studying and work, Belen loves binge watching a good show with good company and cares about the environment and animal welfare. Belen, welcome to this new episode and thank you so much for being here. How are you today? Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm super excited and super happy to be here. Um, I, when, when you invited me, I was super happy to have the opportunity to be in this videocast and to share this conversation with you guys. And yeah, thank you. And I'm good. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. So um, we have a couple of questions for you because we wanted to learn more about your background and what you're currently doing. So um, Lore, do you, do you want to go first? <laughs> so happy to have you here. It's really fun to get to chat with you and pick your brain a little bit more, obviously. Um, so to start off with, would you mind sharing with us exactly what NIMSI is? Of course, that's a very good question, and I have a hard time explaining it because uh, we do so many things that it's it's uh, <laughs> difficult to summarize it for me. But I would try. Um, so basically, NIMSI uh, offers uh, research and consultancy service for the localization industry, and research and consultancy services materializes in in different shapes and forms. What we do is it's uh, so all sorts of things. So for example, we publish yearly research, yearly studies such as the NIMSI 100 with the list of all the L biggest LSPs in the market and how the industry doing, some forecasts and so on and so forth. We also publish the, the language technology atlas with, uh, a, it's a compilation of all the technology that is relevant for the language industry. And we have also the interpreting index where, where we talk about companies in the interpreting sector. So we have this general uh, reports that we share every year. But then we also have uh, a lot of custom research commissioned by our clients. We do all sorts of research uh, with end users, for example, we or for a specific verticals, if a client wants to know uh, is it good to go with this specific market with video games localization? Can you give me some insight so that I can better make my decisions? 
uh, on my strategy for my for my company. We do this this kind of things as well. We do a lot of consultancy engagements, for example, localization audits. Uh, I really enjoy mm -hmm. these projects because some companies, uh, usually enterprises, they want to make sure that their localization structure is is functioning all right and that they are optimized right. when they come to us and we analyze it and we provide insights. We also carry out change management. Um, audits we help people change because changing is so hard and <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah right right so when for example a company wants to uh, implement a new tool a cat tool mm -hmm. they've never used a tms in their entire life and they want to implement that and that goes uh, between different departments so we help them to succeed in that in that change and yeah, and, and now we also have uh, a training offering. Hopefully next month we will release in the NIMSI learning platform. And we think that's also an added value to the industry because we believe that um, people need a continuous learning and specifically now that we're all at home, unfortunately. Absolutely, oh. yeah. You don't, you don't get to learn from the people sitting by you because they are not mm -hmm. there anymore. And you cannot just pick there and what are you doing? Or how would you do that? Because I don't know, I'm not sure. We don't have that, that anymore. So we believe that this, this uh, continuous learning experience is important and we're aiming to, to release that next month. Wow. That's amazing. Well, look forward to um, <laughs> see what you have in store for us. <laughs> Leah, I don't want all of our brains turning to mush. <laughs> so um yeah and we wanted to also know more about the e-learning program because um i know that it's coming next but what subjects are you going to tackle through that program and who can actually access to it mm -hmm. okay so as i said this uh this project is uh born uh, in the middle of the pandemic, as many, I think, babies will be born in a few months <laughs> because the pandemic <laughs> gave us a lot of time to think and free time to do stuff. So um, it was born during this time because we're Your brainchild, isn't it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's my, it's my brain baby. So, so yeah, so we wanted to, to provide this continuous learning to the industry. We wanted to make it remote uh, because now everything needs to be remote and also to have a, uh, a bigger reach because until now, um, NIMSI has been offering in-person in workshops and mm -hmm. we still do, but of course, right. yeah, no one can, can do in-person workshops no anymore. No one can attend. So, exactly. So <laughs> it was the right moment to do that. And also the, the, my dog is just walked through. The um, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and and also the format that we want to to have for these courses is short to the mm -hmm. point very practical and video based so we are not right. giving like books and things to read and so, of mm -hmm. course we can share some of that as a support material but what we want to do is to have short videos for each lesson so it's very straightforward because let's be honest we don't have time to spend 10 hours oh, no. per week learning stuff because even if yeah. we want, we don't have the time. We're working, we're busy, we're doing many other things at the same time. So we want something that is quick and and, and it's accessible. Uh, but that being said, uh, the type of content that we, we are releasing for now 
We have a few courses on like general skills, management skills, such as strategic mm -hmm. decision making, change management. We also have a general course on the business of, of translation by Renato Beninato, the, the NIMSI Intai CEO and the mm -hmm. writer, yeah. of, uh, the author of the, the general co-author together with Tucker Johnson, the other NIMSI Inside CEO of the general um, translation oh, theory <laughs> yeah like, exactly it's like so, the bible for for us <laughs> so that's great because uh renato just turned that book into an e-learning course and it's great and he oh really i didn't know that yes and we can access to it through nimsy's website right exactly yes so who can and we will also release a couple of more courses on sales for lsps for example customer profiling how to sell in online events and me, uh, my colleague miguel sepulveda is developing a course on ux and localization designing wow for a global market which is pretty awesome i, I have already <laughs> watched some of the videos and it's very interesting and who can access this okay uh it will we, we, every course will have two parts the first part mm -hmm. will okay. be accessible for everybody Everybody who signs up with a free NIMSI account, you just need to sign up, put your name, mm -hmm. your, your email, and that's it. You don't need to pay. And the second part of the courses will be only for NIMSI partners. At the same time, there will be some courses that will be completely free. We are deciding cool. which content because we want this to be like... Um, I don't know, like a crowdsourcing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm right. in contact with external. We we have for now all the courses are developed by NIMSI members, but we want external people to contribute as well, because we believe people have so many things to say, so many knowledge stored, but they just don't have the time to you know go out there and create a course, or they oh, don't yeah. have the time to talk to universities and help them update their curriculum. Because yeah, we're all super busy, mm -hmm. so. With this quick format, we are aiming to help these people who have so many things to, to say to the industry and so many value to add to the industry. We want to help them with our platform. And yeah, we hope if anyone is interested, please reach out to me. Yes, yes, we will be doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't wait to, to especially uh, check out Miguel's um, course because it sounds super interesting. And he actually was one of our uh, guests. Uh, so we we look forward to to sharing that episode with everyone too yeah there, um, yes uh i can see why it, it's hard for you to like box what names is mm -hmm. uh and also the amount of things that you do belen uh but maybe you could tell us a little bit about um the immersive accessibility project uh can you please yeah. elaborate a little bit on what that is like Sure. So I participated in this uh, European funded project. Uh, mm -hmm. it, was, it's, it was called because it's, it's finished now Immersive mm -hmm. Accessibility, IMAC for short. And basically my PhD is based on that. So this uh, project, the aim of this project was to bring accessibility to immersive environments, meaning mm -hmm. virtual reality, virtual reality right. glasses. It's what we mm -hmm. have at the moment. So we realized that um, we, th this type of content was not accessible for people with disabilities, for uh, deaf people or blind people or hard of hearing people or with uh, people with low vision. Uh, yeah. So we wanted to make this accessible for them. And the, the, the project lasted two years and a half. 
And basically, my, my focus on this project was to um, uh, research how to implement subtitles in this type of content, in, in 360-degree videos wow. specifically. Wow. And my colleagues, for example, was were working on audio description, how to implement audio description for the blind in, in 360-degree content. We also worked on, with, with sign language, how to implement sign language interpreting in, in, in nice. this type of content. And in the project, there, there were many companies participating, universities, software developers, broadcasters for, from Spain and, and Germany. So it was like a consortium of different uh, companies. And yeah, and I think we, we were quite successful, I, I hope. <laughs> so, but wait, you mentioned subtitles in 360 in VR. Mm -hmm. I want to know uh, the challenges. Uh, what was that like? Because I'm, I, I'm guessing that it's not something easy to implement, but incredible to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we started the project, there was very little research on this topic or basically nothing. Only I can imagine. the BBC was already doing something uh, around it, but there was really nothing there. So we didn't know what to do. Like, how would, would we implement yeah. subtitles? We, well, we you're pioneers. Sure we... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm very proud for, because of that. So what we did is we, um, we took a user-centric approach. So mm -hmm. we started having focus groups with, uh, with the end users, with deaf people and hard of hearing people. Mm -hmm. And we ask them, like, what's your, wh what do you need? What, 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 how do you imagine having subtitles? How would you like to have subtitles in this wow. type of content? And then from there, we, we gather their feedback, their needs, and then we started to see, okay, now we, we can start working on that. So basically the main challenge was, well, there were two main challenges. The, main ch the first one was how to position, where to put the subtitles in a 360-degree right. sphere. My, my <laughs> first question was that, where does it, where does it go? <laughs> exactly. So um, during my research, I found out that the New York Times, they had these 360-degree uh, videos, that, and they were trying to promote this because this content is very suitable for journal journalistic content. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, nice. to to make people feel like they are in the middle of a war or in a specific right. country or something like that. So it's very moving and very engaging. So mm -hmm. they already had uh, a few videos and some of them had subtitles because there were people speaking other languages, right? So they were in English, mm -hmm. but with uh, foreign speakers. So what they did is they positioned the subtitles in three different positions fixed positions in uh -huh. the 360 degree sphere. So when you put your glasses on, you know, you are in a, in, in, in a 360 degree sphere, and then you can look around and you see what things are around you. So what okay. they did, they put one subtitle here, one subtitle here, and one subtitle here, for example, and they were fixed. Yeah. That was a possible solution, but we talked to the, and we tried it with the users and they di didn't like it so much because they were missing information. like. I want to look at this now up, mm -hmm. or I want to look down, and then I'm missing the information in the subtitle. So right. it's not a bad solution, but but it was not optimal. So then, what users wanted, they wanted to have fixed subtitles, like if they were watching the the TV, to be honest. So they yeah. wanted to have 
and the subtitle would move with you when I sorry I'm oh gesticulating so much no but, but okay. no no but please yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're super excited and passionate about what you're telling because I I wouldn't know where to start with that and that's actually one of my main concerns where to start with VR <laughs> subtitling exactly so <laughs> so yes yeah, so so then we we try different positions fixed position at the beginning we have troubles because for example I mm -hmm. wear glasses and I have uh, myopia and astigmatism mm -hmm. same here and then, <laughs> okay so for some reason I saw like double b I had double vision yeah. issues oh. so I saw the subtitles twice and I went no this mm -hmm. is not working sorry so we we had to like um, manage to make the subtitles farther from it's it's, mm -hmm. it's difficult to explain because it's very technical and i was not the actual uh, engineer doing this but actually if you put the subtitle too close to your mm -hmm. to your eyes in the 360 degree uh, sphere then it looks off but you have to you can put them in in this um, in the distance distance with more depth and mm -hmm. then it worked so we tried uh, that with the users and and we got my, my PhD was basically doing tests with end users, gathering feedback, seeing if it was immersive or not, which, which subtitles were more immersive. We tried the three fixed position subtitles and the ones that move with you, and the, the ones that will be, you were more immersive and people preferred them better. That was the first challenge. And the second challenge for deaf people was um, to indicate where the sound comes from. Because if you are in a 360 uh -huh. degree and you, you're, you're lacking the auditory uh, cue, then how, do, how would you know where you have to look for the person speaking? So yeah. we, again, try different, uh, different options such as uh, arrows, uh, right. close to the subtitles or a radar, like in, more like in a video game type of, mm -hmm. of thing. And we tried these different solutions, and at the end, people prefer the arrows because it was more like straightforward and for. Mm -hmm. But that's for 360 degree content, cinematic content. But I think mm -hmm. for video games, for example, I hope someone keeps uh, researching this. We will have more options. We 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 can combine fixed subtitles with moving subtitles with radars and arrows because yeah. in a video game you have many more options. Oh, to yeah, have absolutely. to be to for the gamers to be able to identify where to go where to look mm -hmm. yeah totally exactly. wow super yeah there's so many aspects to have into consideration that i know just so i mean cool. I, I didn't know up yeah. until now <laughs> yeah Same thank you Belen. i'm glad it's interesting yeah and i have another question for you because from i wanted to know from your experience as a researcher are there any languages or markets in particular that are more challenging than others when localizing your app or game? Good question. Um, yeah, I think for specifically for, well, I, my focus is more video games, but at the end mm -hmm. of the day, apps and video games are in the development, from the development point of view are kind of similar. Mm -hmm. So one thing that we've been hearing from gaming studios is that implementing Arabic due to the left to right support, uh -huh. um, it's quite challenging for the development team. So sometimes they just drop this language because it's too hard for them to, to implement oh. this. Oh, wow. And of course, the market is not as, you know, maybe the return investment in those markets is not as, as big as in other markets. So that's one challenging language. 
Another challenging language, but from a different perspective for me, Japanese or mm -hmm. Japan as a country, because yes. it's so culturally different from the Western countries that it's so difficult to, you know, sell a game there. Mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes it, either you adapt it or, or you cannot sell the game there because no one is going to play. Like, who's going to play Call of Duty in Japan? <laughs> Very few people, to be honest. Right. So mm -hmm. sometimes companies have challenges marketing their, their, the games in, in Japan because the, the, their, what they want is super different from, or the taste, it's, it's different. At the same time, I think uh, Japanese users are much more demanding and they require a really different ex uh, experience, user experience. So for example, yeah. from the marketing perspective, you would need to be more detailed, more, you know, focused, uh, giving more information. They care a lot about quality. They, they, mm -hmm. they wouldn't oh, yeah. cope with, they wouldn't accept a sloppy translation, for example. It's like, well, okay, this is not Japanese. Let's forget about it. So I think it's a very challenging country and, mm -hmm. and very interesting at the same time. It's, it's funny that the other way around, we love Japanese stuff yeah. in the Western yeah. uh, countries, right? So since we were kids, we, we've been watching anime and reading comic oh, yeah. books from Japan or the ones who are or <laughs> video games like from me. Japan. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, it's amazing. We love that. We love the kawaii stuff. We love manga. We love anime. We love video games from the Nintendo. It's huge everywhere. Like yeah. Nintendo, yeah. All, all Nintendo. But the other way around is more difficult. Mm -hmm. And the third country, uh, more than language country, that sometimes is hard for developers, it's India. Not because oh, yeah. of the complexity of the language, but because they speak so many languages in yeah. India right. that they don't know which one to pick. They don't know the strategy, which strategy mm -hmm. to follow. It's like, I don't know, uh, let's keep the game in English. Most yeah. people, the, the good thing is that in India, many like educated people, they have a very high level of English. So mm -hmm. they assess, okay, we release the, ga the game in, in English and that's it. But I think they are missing something there because the, the experience could be much better. But that requires research, right? Requires research in which parts they speak, which language and which language is more widespread. And so that's a challenge for, for many companies as well. I have another one for you as well. I would love to know more about uh, the technical aspects that we should be taking into account when we are internationalizing a product. I, I don't personally, I don't know that much about the tech side of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, I'm not an engineer, so my insights are more from a linguistic perspective or a project <laughs> management perspective. What I've learned through the years, specifically for video games, uh, there are certain things that uh, are like basics, you know, for example, when, when the player can be male or female, having variables for female and, and male characters is very important because if you start a game, you know, and you can select, I'm a, a girl or a boy, okay? Mm -hmm. And you can select, but then in English, the adjectives are all the same. They don't have mm -hmm. different, or different, they don't have gender, gender, terminations or anything like we have in, in Spanish, for example, or Italian or German or all the other languages, mm -hmm. uh, the, the fix and, and stuff. So mm -hmm. if we don't have that, it's very complex. <clears throat> we, if we don't have variables for masculine and feminine or female, male, 
it's very complex then to localize the game and have a nice user experience because sometimes what they the the developers ask is okay just try to keep it neutral okay but in spanish how many neutral adjectives do we have like 10 20 well maybe more but that fits yeah. in the context not so many no mm -hmm. so yeah it's difficult so implementing variables for that is very important another thing is please don't use concatenations concatenation is the enemy of internationalization <laughs> best practices someone yeah. had to say it <laughs> exactly it's it's terrible because again in english for example you can combine nouns and, uh, and adjectives mm -hmm. and so on and so forth and it works it's great because you save a lot of space in the game and it's great for developers in english to keep the game as, as it is but in the rest of the languages that's a huge limitation it, it has a very negative impact on mm -hmm. the outcome of the localization and the language um, the user experience and it's really bad like at the end of the day the translations are poor and the user experience is not good so please don't use concatenations and the third thing is like the the the, the character limitation how do you mm -hmm. de design the interface it's another thing that we struggle a lot specifically in, in this case um i've, I've encountered more issues uh, with games coming from japan because mm. they especially for you know portable uh, consoles like Nintendo yeah. DS or, or mm -hmm. these, these portable kind of devices. So they have a limited interface and in Japanese you can say many things with uh, very little space but try to translate that into German for example. Oh. I mean Impossible. it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare and, and again you need to use abbreviations things are not uh, easily understandable and it has a uh, very negative impact on on the user experience so try to design uh, interfaces that are adaptable and that the boxes mm -hmm. can be re resized totally that's great advice <laughs> yeah um, and I have a last question for you, and this one is going to be a bit controversial because I wanted to talk about <laughs> machine translation. Oh. And what are your thoughts on machine translation applied to video games? And do you think that machine translation will ever replace translators? <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> Regarding the second question, I love the other day I, I watching the Renato's course, mm -hmm. he said in his course, when when machines will replace translators completely, we will have bigger issues to worry about. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's my reply for that. Sure, in that the future so... maybe, but then yeah, maybe Skynet and things like that. Portrayed yeah. <laughs> in, in the fiction movies. So so yeah. Yeah, maybe. Why not? Everything is possible in the future, mm -hmm. uh, but not at the moment. And I'm glad it is like it is at the moment. And regarding machine translation and video games at the moment specifically, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the other day I was talking to, well, I've talked to several uh, heads of localization in, in gaming companies mm -hmm. and they all don't see the value of machine translation mm. at the moment. Like one, one of, the, of the heads of localization told me that machine translate, uh, sorry, that game localization is the last bastion of machine translation, of human translation. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I said that quote so bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm going to repeat it. it. Um, game localization is the last bastion of human translation. Wow. So, yeah. And I agree. And because it's so complex, game localization is so, so complex, like different type of text. Uh, it has a huge impact on, on user experience, every text. For example, I don't know, player support text, maybe. Yeah, for that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, maybe you can use machine translation because it doesn't have a huge impact on, on the user experience. But like the interfaces, the voiceover, some of the games, some of games are, <clears throat> are very cinematic and they have voiceover, mm -hmm. uh, marketing material. I mean, sure, you can use machine translation and post-edit it, but I don't, the, the, like, the actual time saving at the moment is not really it's not really uh, significant. Mm -hmm. So maybe in the future, sure, why not? And we are making uh, progress in this field every day. So maybe tomorrow the, the landscape would be different. Di different. But at the moment, I don't think. I mean, oh, and the people in general I talk to, they don't see the value of machine translation at the moment for video games localization. So. So every translator out there working on video game localization can be <laughs> rest assured that that is not going to happen, not in the For near now. future at least. For <laughs> yeah. now. As comforted as you can be while also knowing that Skynet might be around the corner. At the <laughs> but for now, we can be, we can be at ease. <laughs> when you said last bastion, the Lord of the Rings, the battle for Helm's Deep just came to my mind. Yes. <laughs> All the translators with their laptops. Yeah, that's a very good analogy, <laughs> a very good picture. I love that. Um, so, yeah, now we're going to go to the fun part uh, of this uh, episode because we ask you to share with us your favorite memes. And I'm going to share my screen now was the first one and i absolutely love baby yoda i'm like a big fan um but let let us i mean when when did you actually start watching star wars are you a big fan of it or what what happens to you with baby yoda okay i have to say i'm not the biggest star wars fan i watched the movies the first movies that i watched were the the three in the middle the worst ones. Ah, same. <laughs> same. That uh, with I Jar Jar and all the stuff. Oof. Uh -huh. uh, and I enjoy them. They, they are entertaining. Uh, mm -hmm. Then I watched the, the, the good ones, the first ones with Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and, and yeah. Harrison Ford, and I love them. And actually, I ha only have seen the, the first one of the th three new movies. So mm. I still have two more to watch. But yeah, but the Mandalorian is so amazing. Like I, I, I actually I sign up for for Disney Plus only for the Mandalorian. I, <laughs> Baby Yoda is worth There's my so money, many you know. Doing that. Exactly, <laughs> and I think it's so well done. Like apart from the extremely crazy cuteness of Baby Yoda, which is the best thing ever. That I mean, we need more Baby Yodas today. Yeah, great. But. I think the, 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 the series is so well done. Like, I mm -hmm. love this vintage retro kind of vibe that it has. And I don't know, it's so epic. I feel like a little child when, when I watch it. It's, it's amazing. I love it. And I love Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, we're big fans of Star Wars over here. So we love that you brought this one. Okay. <laughs> now we have a Game of Thrones moment. <laughs> yeah. How, how fun are you of the series? 
Okay, I loved the series. Um, I haven't read the book, sorry, I'm the worst, but yeah, when, <laughs> no, when I have me neither. You're forgiven. I, do you actually have time <laughs> to you have for that? time to read the book? <laughs> that many books? Exactly. So I watched the series. I really enjoyed it. I didn't start right away when, when everything started. It took me like a couple of years or three years. Then one day I was very sick in, in bed and I was like, I'm bored. I have a fever. I don't know what to do. So I started to watch Game of Thrones and I was, wow, this is actually good. I started previously, but I didn't like it. And then I loved it uh, in the second uh, <laughs> attempt. But then I hated the last episode yeah, and I hated the last... Yeah, it's like, everyone did. Yeah. Like, it was a great, from a cinematic uh, point of view, mm -hmm. it was an amazing uh, season, but like it's horrible. So I hate it and I love Daenerys and I love dragons. So um, I'm mm. not going to say anything else, but <laughs> and I love avocados. I love avocados. Yeah. <laughs> I, I eat at least one avocado a day, not only for guacamole, but like the, wow. the actual avocado. I love it. It's my favorite. Yeah. Thing. And I can totally relate to that feeling when you find the perfect <laughs> one, just like, just right. You know? Oh, yeah. Exactly. I'm like super <laughs> picky with that too. It's like, <laughs> I have to check it out, the color, the texture, how it exactly. feels <laughs> and know when it's going to be right. Because of course, avocados, like the minute you turn away, it's, they're done. Yeah. So yeah, well, over here we're on. <laughs> we're on the opposite. Uh, over here, I'm in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and we're starting summer. Bang. But I know the feel of both of you, Lore yes. <laughs> and Ben. We're also big yes. Office fans over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean I, I don't like, I, I live in a small town, like by the sea, and it's mm -hmm. empty during winter and, and fall, but then mm -hmm. in summer it's, it's packed with tourists, and it's super hot, super like humid, and I really don't like don't, summer at all. So everybody's mm. like, yeah, summer, it's fun, you can <laughs> go out and blah, 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 but no, 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 I, 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 my favorite season is fall. And I love Halloween, but I'm sad because I don't live in the, in the United States for like <laughs> truly enjoying Halloween. Here, Halloween is only dress up like provocatively and go out <laughs> and get drunk. And yeah. I, I'm too old for that uh, now. So I would love to have my house decorated and have little kids knocking at my door, trick or treat. Oh, that's my dream. Uh, like you are. <laughs> Absolutely invited here anytime. <laughs> Thank you, Loretta. I, I hope maybe in the future. <laughs> House is open. We'll dress up in less provocative clothing if that's how we're feeling. And There's a Gandalf costume. Yeah. Uh, at Lauren's <laughs> house. It's, it's starting to become famous. You need to. I know. I keep bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll we give out way too much candy. It'll be great. We need to see you in that costume, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> okay this one cracked me up look at that face i mean yeah. you cannot mean on a, you cannot intend to say any other thing right <laughs> no, exactly no, no, i mean yeah I'm, you're I'm, ducking I'm, mad yeah i mean this one is self-explanatory i don't think I <laughs> this one. it's and this one i mean <laughs> Every well, single time that I'm like 
um i choose i try to for example when whenever i'm playing counter strike or any like shooter game like <laughs> i feel like super badass because i'm like a dude for everyone else but i know it's myself behind that mask exactly i i just love the lord of the rings like it's my favorite uh, fantasy mm -hmm. fantasy uh, adventure movies and I, this this is one of my favorite scenes it's like so powerful so feminist it's so, such yeah. a, an amazing uh, scene i love it i really love it and yeah and this was so funny because this pikachu meme <laughs> yeah. With this face of amazement, it's, it's it makes me laugh every time. So I really like this. Movie. Yeah, it's a good combination. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Belen, for joining us today. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on this show and to learn so much about what you're doing. And I personally learned so much from you because I didn't know um, anything about subtitling VR. And thank you for for sharing that with us. Um, Thank you so I much. I hope that you had a great time with us today. Yeah. And well, we'll we look forward to seeing you all on our next episodes and stay tuned for more. Thank you. Thank you. Bye everyone. Thank you, Ellen. 